0: You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast, sponsored by Franklin Professional Associates, excellence in staffing and recruiting, and supported by regional leader in higher education, Mount Wachusett Community College. Hello and welcome to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, Kat Deals. we continue our On the Road series for Manufacturing Month, we're over in Shirley today, and Kat, where exactly are we and who are we speaking with?
1: Well, today we are lucky to be over at Two Shaker Road at Burkhart Flutes and Piccolos with Lillian Burkhart, president, and Daniel Carlo, who is the executive product manager. Guys, thank you so much for inviting us into your manufacturing facility.
2: One of the more unique ones we've visited, I think. You're very welcome, Kat. Thank you for having us.
0: (laughs) In terms of manufacturers, I think a lot of people think North Central Massachusetts, plastics, maybe medical manufacturing, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But right here, you're manufacturing high-quality Music instruments. Can you tell us all about Burkhart Flutes and Piccolos?
2: Burkhart Flutes and Piccolos was established, um, founded by me and a partner, Jim Phelan, in 1983. We have um, been located closer to the greater Boston area, but obviously moving to this region afforded great access for the uh, network of highways. Uh, public transportation, not so great, but (laughs) so many and, and lower overhead overall, which does make it quite attractive. we also love being tucked back in the back of this beautiful old mill building Mm -hmm. in all of the rich history that's here.
0: One of the neat things too, I think about Phoenix park is every unit you go in is so different. We we have a couple other members in different areas and everybody has really transformed their space.
2: We, we can, and we're sitting here in this, in our test, what is our testing room uh, around We're surrounded by acoustic tiles mm-hmm. so that we try to um, mimic as close as possible to a small recital hall.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: that gives us the intimacy and it gives us very true acoustics to both bring our customers, our, the players, who will purchase instruments, as well as for our own ears. Daniel here is one of our primary testers, an excellent flutist. And this is the room that we use to really be able to deliver the final product what an amazing space to be able to have available
1: right on site and, and, and a necessity i would assume as well because when you make it you have to
2: test it we have to test it and in, in fact uh at least i'd say 30 to 40 percent of our workers are professional are trained as professional flutist and that's really necessary in that final testing stage so uh, the workers, as they are finishing the product and putting in all of the sort of soft materials, I'll mm-hmm. say, they are in and out of this room minute by minute to do that fine-tuning yeah. of a Burkhart flute or piccolo. Wow. And
0: that's incredible because I think so many times you think of final testing and now it's all, you know, it's computers and, and that sort of thing and it's all very automated. Very
2: data-driven and, and and electronics. No, the flute yeah. is a very subjective um Process both for us as players and makers, and also for the flutist. This is their tool, this is what they make their livelihood with.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it's a really unique aspect to what we do. I always say one of the highlights of my job is coming into work and hearing all these beautiful flute and piccolo sounds.
1: I mean, um, that's greatest sounds of manufacturing I've ever heard. It's probably. true. When
3: we're doing it right, it yeah. sounds beautiful. You oh. know, it's it's really cool.
0: Do you get to play every
3: flute that comes through this door for the most part? Uh, me, the team, my colleagues, our hands are on everything before it goes out the door.
1: Well, it's interesting you mentioned that you are there because many of the employees um, are here are accomplished artists, musicians, and highly skilled machinists and fabricators that must bring a very unique vision to the manufacturing of these instruments. And I can't imagine being able to have such a tactile item after working so hard on it and then to be able to make amazing music from it. What an amazing manufacturer you guys are.
2: Well, you uh, you do point out to me that we have two very different sets of uh, makers here. Mm -hmm. Those who are the flutist, uh, who are very gifted with their hands, Mm -hmm. who enjoy working quite hands-on, rolling up their sleeves every day, and working on this masterful museum-quality piece um, throughout their day. And then there also are the machinists who are trained in an entirely different arena uh, that we work side by side with. And usually we convert the machinists to the sort of artistic side as they come come to learn about what we do here. I would love
1: to hear about the different um, instruments that you make, but I think that one of the most beautiful things is the materials that you use. So if someone went on your website, um, which I have been on, you can see that you make them out of very precious metals. So it's very artistic what is coming out.
2: You want to feel that one, Daniel? Of course.
3: (laughs) It's, again, unique to us. And it's actually unique to a lot of musical instruments. We work in precious metals. We work in sterling silver, various carats of gold, platinum. Um, If we were walking through the shop, as with any manufacturing process, we make scrap. <laughs> and it just so happens that our scrap is very expensive. You know, mm-hmm. we sweep up the the gold and the silver and the platinum and it goes back for refining. Um, and not all musical instruments are made with those same materials. Even clarinets or oboes, they work with silver plating and nickel plating and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's unique to flutes to work in such expensive materials.
0: How does that affect the process? I know you mentioned some of the refining, but when you are working with a material that precious, I um, mean, you know, obviously you don't, we want to have as little error as possible. Yeah. So how does that change the overall manufacturing process from when the material first comes in the door, machinists first get their hands on it to when it walks out the door as an end product?
2: That's an excellent question because it, it, um, goes to the heart of the environment that we're working in today, which is a, um, limited labor force. So in that we don't like to make mistakes with our materials, everyone all of the assemblers and the the makers themselves are highly trained so that if and when there is a goof, they're they're well prepared to uh, transform it or repair it. And precious metals are, not only do we use them for the acoustical benefits, but we also use them because these metals are infinitely malleable. They can be stretched, they can be filed and sanded and repolished, they can be, this instrument is a purchase of a lifetime, and it can be revived to be like new multiple times over because we can stretch um, and refinish the precious metals. So we're able to remove wear and tear in an instrument and return it to like new condition. So it's not just that you're making flutes and piccolos, you're also
1: repairing and bringing them back to life.
3: Exactly. And for most of our customers, like Lillian said, it's the purchase of a lifetime, mm-hmm. but we make such fantastic instruments. It's really the purchase for multiple lifetimes. Oh, wow. um, we make incredibly precise, well-made flutes and piccolos. It's really one of the things that we're known for in the industry. Um, and it's entirely possible, you know, with a company with 40 years of, of history, we get flutes back in that are, th- you know, 30 years old um, and we're able to restore them back to virtually brand new condition.
0: Amazing. And what's it like for you to be able to know that you're creating a legacy piece like mm. that, that might get handed down. You know, so many things nowadays don't get passed on generation to generation, but a purchase like that, that could get passed on from the mom or dad to their child or their grandchild down the road.
2: And indeed it does. Uh, it, it As you remind me of uh, one of our favorite customers are uh, adult amateurs who may have been handed that flute by a parent or an aunt. Or a, and, and they return to making music as a hobby later in life. And uh, that's, that's just wonderful to see. We enjoy them. They're, they're not under the gun of using that tool for their work. They're just having fun. You're talking about these products
1: being in the world and working do you know how many symphonies and orchestras across the globe, because I know that you are a global phenomenon, not just a lucky North Central Mass phenomenon, how many orchestras and symphonies is a Burkhart flute or piccolo in?
2: That that would be a broad <laughs> guess. That's like counting the beans in a jar. Sure. Not, not really sure. But yes, we are. Uh, we have a presence internationally in symphonies across the world.
0: And that has to speak to the quality of instrument you put out, because I think of the history of instrument making in Europe and other parts of the world, and you know they had a little bit of a head start on the United States. So to be able to compete at that level with some companies that have been around for hundreds of years, that has to really say a lot about the product that you make here.
2: Well, this did begin, uh, the, the, the modern flute as we know it today, did have its origins in Europe mm-hmm. uh, as the flute developed historically and makers began to add actual keys to it, this occurred in Europe and was actually brought over first in the United States to the Boston Symphony Orchestra, where they, uh, the flutist had gone traveled, the orchestra traveled to Europe, and they saw for the first time these flutes with metal keys that made their lives so much easier. What were they prior? Uh, it would be, have been typically a wooden instrument with no keys, Oh, wow. Uh, but again, the acoustics have changed so much historically. We now need a bigger, bolder instrument to uh, satisfy the audiences, to satisfy the acoustics of a large hall. Um, Boston is very rich in its flute making history. We are the, I believe we are the youngest of the companies in the Bo- greater Boston area. and That's young by 40 years. This, we actually are celebrating our 40th anniversary Ooh. this year. That's amazing. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's a rich environment, and we all feel very fortunate to be able to be in this area, higher from this area geographically, and it's, uh, we're going nowhere. We, we belong here. Our families, our employees are well-rooted in this north-central community. So,
1: Lillian, I know that you started um, playing when you were about 10 years old. And your father was a career trumpet player. And so you, you had intentions of playing and teaching, not necessarily manufacturing.
2: Yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, um, I was, uh, let's say, a starving musician uh, coming just out of music school. And as musicians have always really been the gig economy... That, and at that time, I believe I was pursuing teaching, yes, at settlement music schools, uh, playing, trying to break into the freelance music scene. And I had an idea that being able to add flute repair to my um, box of tricks would help, help me complete that circuit of an income. Mm-hmm. And there, it was very difficult if not impossible, I will say, to apprentice with a master repair technician because they were so busy. There were so few of them. Sure. They, they really had no time to take on a trainee. And so the other alternative for me was to get my foot in the door with a Boston flute maker and learn from the manufacturing side uh, how to complete that. Now, I never returned to Philadelphia, which is where this German of an idea began instead I just fell in love with what we do here and never looked back uh, to teaching or uh, playing. I do every day, have done every day here. Amazing. So it's, uh, it's been a happy path. And Dan, as a tester
1: and a product manager, you also play. When did you start playing?
3: I do. Um, uh, about the same time. You know, when everybody starts in <laughs> elementary school. school or middle school, <laughs> starting starting playing the flute. Um, but I, I've been fortunate. Um, my degrees all the way along are in flute performance. I have my doctorate. Um, Amazing. And I never would have envisioned through all of my schooling that I'd be able to sort of unite so many diverse passions Mm -hmm. that i have Mm -hmm. you know there's there's a lot that goes into working here beyond just playing you know graphic design web design we're in excel sheets and numbers and all those sorts of things that not the not
1: the fun side it sounds like just (laughs) personally it
3: really is all fun um when it's all going towards the end goal of of producing beautiful
0: instruments wow we're going to take a quick break but we'll be right back right here on the inside north central massachusetts podcast
2: Do you have the right high quality employees to successfully compete and grow your business? Franklin Professional Associates team of recruiters in Leominster is here to help you hire the best so you can be your best. Visit franklinprofessionals.com today.
0: Welcome back to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, Cat Deal. We're on the road as part of Manufacturing Month. We are chatting with Lillian Burkhart and Daniel Carlo, both of Burkhart Flutes and Piccolos at Two Shaker Road in the D Building at Phoenix Park in Shirley. So for the two of you, to go from playing and be able to work that into a career like this, Mm. did either of you ever envision your paths leading you to manufacturing? (laughs) If you had looked back on your younger self and said, you're going to be part of a world-renowned flute-making company, or you're going to start a world-renowned flute-making company. Would either of you have believed it?
2: Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. But the other side, as, as, as a young player, I had two talents to pursue. One yeah. was playing the flute. Mm-hmm. I was got brought up in a musical family. And the second was arts and crafts. Oh. So that even choosing a path to college was going to be an art major in the fine arts or a music major. I went music and full circle all the way around. I have brought together both You really have. Yeah. In a very unique environment <clears throat> and business.
0: So what was the impetus to move from, as you mentioned, working for a flute maker to branching out and starting your own company with your partner?
2: Uh, at the there were several answers to that question. So the number one is I felt that I had um, a better idea and many improvements to make upon the instrument that for the, uh, the company that I first apprenticed with. And s- at that time, the company that I came to work for and learned this trade was not manufacturing piccolos They had fallen out of um, production for whatever reasons. So I particularly love the piccolo and love to play the piccolo. So I had an opportunity to, for many years, manufacture a piccolo for them. And with the improvements I made over the nine years of that type of um, contract work really led me to owning it and pinning my name to it and you are
1: affectionately named or have been called the first lady of flute making. And in an industry, manufacturing, regardless of what you're manufacturing, being the first lady of flute making or being the first lady of manufacturing holds some distinction. I think it's amazing that um, you have maintained being here, um, first lady of flute making, but you have now turned this into an employee-owned manufacturing business.
2: Which is, I think, one of the will have become one of the greatest accomplishments mm-hmm. in my career. And Dan, you're one of the owners, then.
3: I am. That's I am amazing. Twenty two of us now.
1: So um, when you started owners. out as a musician, as we just talking to Lillian about this, did you think you were going to own partner? You're going to own part of a flute and pickle and fame manufacturer when you were a little one?
3: No, no, definitely had no idea. Um, similar story. I thought, you know, I'd go to school and teach and Mm -hmm. gig around and maybe win an orchestra job or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, and no one really tells you, that's the other thing in in sort of a musical schooling, no one says, or maybe people do now, but back when I was in school, no one said, you know, go the industry route. There are jobs available. You can do these things. You Mm -hmm. can get so much fulfillment, you know, working on the industry side of things the business side of things. And that's changing now too. Um, For a lot of young players, because there's so much that can be gained for, you know, working in a company like this. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, circling back (laughs) around here, we we tell people pretty frequently Lillian is is a rock star in the flute making world. And she's alluded to it up until now. But the methods that Lillian developed in terms of making, you know, manufacturing flutes and piccolos revolutionized the instrument-making industry. So back when the company began, she envisioned a way of making that now all of our competitors do as well. Really? Yeah, and, and it really ushered in flute-making and piccolo-making into the 20 and 21st century. Um, so all flute-makers, now, especially in the United States, um, owe so much to Lillian in her vision for how these instruments should be made.
2: Thank you, Daniel. We were the first international flute company, I must, I, I, I would say, to turn to CNC manufacturing. Really? And prior, so my background in the, the company I first joined here, um, techniques were uh, a lot of forgings, uh, a lot of castings. Uh, there, you've ancient big drop forges and tons and tons of handwork, laborious, intensive, um, soliciting all kinds of repetitive stress injuries. And we began, and I will will freely admit that the very first major piece of equipment that I bought, probably spending a total of $37,000, was shocking to me that we would really use this in flute making. And now today... Nine tenths of our parts, all of which are made right here in this company, are CNC machined, very sophisticated programming to do small lot runs uh, over and over again. So quick setups and quick teardowns because we don't make tens of thousands of parts. We make 20, 50, 100 parts mm-hmm. at a time.
0: And those are all still small parts that do have to be put in by hand. So once it comes out of that CNC machinery process, how many folks do you have that work on assembling all those small, intricate pieces that require little weldings and screws and pins and everything else?
2: Let's do a little bit of quick math here. <laughs> so he's counting. I swear folks. Seven,
0: 10. I mean, we've got
3: a team of, of four. 20,
2: 23 t- in total. Yep. Mm-hmm. So probably, yep. um, Eight, 15 to 18 are doing the assembly. Oh, wow. And in that move to precisely machined parts, we didn't lose the handmaking aspect. Mm-hmm. What we gained is, and what our employees gained, is a healthier lifestyle mm-hmm. in, in doing the build, uh, in that we can make parts precisely enough that they fit together easily. Um, there are still a lot of judgment calls in assembling the instrument, but the Time and effort can be spent on the beauty, and the technical accuracy of the instrument, so that they're, that player has a working, successful tool. How many instruments
1: in total? Not just parts, but how many instruments do you manufacture in a year?
3: It's hard to say. It's hard to say because we yeah. work in batches and, mm-hmm. and you know, we, we do a run of so many parts and then those we use perhaps for a year, over the course of a year or two years. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: in this facility, we are uh, building, I would say, about 115 flutes a year mm-hmm. and uh, piccolos. More than that. Yes, because wow. uh, oh. in, uh, in the domestic instruments. Um, we also have a brand that uh, called the Rizona flute and Rizona piccolo that we co-manufacture offshore. We re-import and then we fin- fit up or improve upon the product so that we have a, a, not entry level, but a sort of mid, advancing, semi-professional line of instruments. Because our instruments are very expensive. So entry level.
3: Starting around two, 2,000 mm-hmm. for something that's somewhat like an- For uh, the intermediate. Intermediate right. flute, for exactly. The,
2: at, at for those manufactured here, we are around 14,000. Yeah,
0: and do you find that having that earlier level entry point for folks, do you find that that does create kind of a repeat customer when they are ready to move up?
2: When they are ready, They're yes. They're familiar
0: with your quality and mm-hmm. it kind of generates that yes. return by?
2: it, it, it does. And the, the instrument is very similar to ours in touch, in feel, all those ergonomic qualities that a player is looking for so that it's a very natural transition mm-hmm. to a professional flute should one go on to study seriously.
0: Now, for those who do study seriously, what's the process like when they contact you about purchasing a flute? How does that relationship work? So generally
3: we're fortunate because, uh, most people know burkhart. <laughs> We're big enough that they have a teacher who plays on a burkhart, or they have a friend who plays on a burkhart or something like that. So they they find us um, <laughs> and they usually know they usually know someone who plays on a burkhart. Um, mm-hmm. they contact our sales team. Um, me, my colleague Ethan work very closely with our customers. Um, every sale is 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 very tailored to the player. Um, we mix and match different parts of the instrument. We tailor fit to that particular customer, either in material or specification. Nowadays, uh, we do a lot of trials by mail. So hmm. you try basically before you buy. So we're sending our very expensive flutes across the country. Insurance is a beautiful thing. <laughs> 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 um, but you have to when you're making such an investment yeah. like that, you have to be able to get into uh, you know, your own space, mm-hmm. play for your teacher, play with the orchestra that you play with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we ultimately pair them with an instrument there.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, do some of those players come here? to test in this room?
2: Yes, they do. Oh, amazing.
0: And do you feel a little bit spoiled when you get to bring a high quality musician in here and get to almost have your own private concert?
2: We, <laughs> we have indeed in this room had our own private concerts uh, with, because many of the employees yeah. are musicians, musicians themselves, not yeah. only flutists, but we've had drummers, uh, ukulele players and, and the We've held little concerts right in this room. But yes, to have some of the superstars, a yeah. Carol out Carol of New York here, a Jim Walker from California. These are powerful people in our world, mm-hmm. in the music world. And they, the, you can imagine how thrilled everyone who makes their instruments is to meet these people because they hear them in recordings and on videos all the time. Okay,
1: I'm going to ask a question and I'm probably going to get funny looks. You keep saying flutist. Mm -hmm. All of us have heard flutist. Is there a correct way?
2: (laughs) (laughs) We say flutist. Okay. Flutist. We build a flute, not a flout. Thank you. (laughs) I never understood (laughs) flutist.
1: I'm just amazed that you guys are making amazing music here. I mean, because that's what you're doing. You're making amazing music for the world. It's it's wonderful.
0: And one of the other things to think about too is how many jobs you're able to create. Um, As you mentioned, you've got a team of over 20, but about 18 folks go into putting each one of those together. That's local jobs that these instruments. Every instrument comes out the door is helping to not only create, but also maintain for Mm -hmm. the region.
2: We are always trying to hire as close to home as possible. uh, And that sometimes presents a difficulty when we are needing to hire both a craftsperson, Mm -hmm. a technical, mechanically inclined individual uh, to fit into the culture here. It, it, musicians don't generally live in this area. We have so many great schools in the, in Boston. They're going mm-hmm. to music school down there. We're fortunate to be able to glean from graduates of these schools, but it generally means a move out here for, sure. trans, mm-hmm. for logistical reasons.
0: Now that you're employee-owned, does that add a whole other layer of attractiveness to what you offer here for potential employees, folks that you're looking to bring into the fold?
2: It I, we believe it does. This is one of the this was the impetus behind this this whole plan is employee retention, mm-hmm. developing a sense of ownership and pride among the workers. They're so valued. We would without our makers, there would be no Burkhart flutes and piccolos. Yeah. So this is very good for me in a in a gradual exit, which is slowly taking place, some weeks more readily than others. <laughs> And um, I'm just thrilled that, that we have been able to accomplish this. It's very, very good for the employee group and um, affords, yes, we brought 22 new owners to Central Mass this I, year. I love that.
0: And Daniel, for you, um, when you first found out that this was going to be the, the plan where you've been working. What were your thoughts being on the employee side, not mm-hmm. the owner side at the time, but mm-hmm. as an employee, what was your first thought when you heard, I'm going to have a stake in the company where I work? It's exciting. Um, it's, it's, and it really fits sort of our model. It fits what we do
3: here, um, because it's not uncommon for an employee to come here and have their entire career really, you know, they, from graduating college, receive training here because you can't learn to make, to be a flute or piccolo maker, you know, at at school. Yeah, I've never
1: seen those courses offered. (laughs) It's not a thing.
3: It's not a thing. Um, so they come here and are trained as a maker and then it's not uncommon for someone to have their entire career here, start to finish at Burkhart Flutes and Piccolos. Um, so to have incentives and have even more of a reason to, to stick around. It just makes sense. Um, and then that goes hand in hand with the care and passion that we all have for making our instruments. Everyone's already working hard. Everyone already takes so much pride in the work that they do. Uh, I, I'd say even before we became employee-owned, we were employee owned. You know, <laughs> so much of what we do relies on our our workers, uh, our, our makers to do what they do well and to the best of their ability. So the passion was already there, and then it was just putting into place sort of the you know the logistical things to to make an ESAP work.
0: Now, for people who want more information on the flutes that you make and the different models that are available, where can they come visit you in Shirley?
3: It's a great question. Definitely first stop would be head to our website. Um, Flutists are weird. We love looking at photos of beautiful flutes and we have a lot of beautiful photography on our website. So definitely start there. Um, There's a lot of great information. And then from there, you know, that'll direct you to our sales team here. We're happy to answer questions and we can we can go from there.
1: Well, I just want to say that it's been very unique to be able to talk to you guys and to hear about the precision and the fine manufacturing that's going on right here in Shirley, Massachusetts. And if you haven't heard of a Burkhart flute or piccolo, you are missing out.
0: Lillian, Daniel, thank you both so much for joining us on the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast today.
2: Thank you both very much. Thanks for having us. We enjoyed us. it.
0: You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions,
2: please visit northcentralmass.com.